In this episode of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast, I respond to the YouTube channel Never Ashamed Again and listen to his warning to all atheists. How warned will I be as an atheist? Stay tuned and find out on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast. Hit the intro. Hey there, I'm Joe Hinkle, YouTuber and filmmaker. I'm actually working on my first movie, Two Souls, right now. But, hey, you're listening to this podcast, and I hope you are being inspired by it and having a wonderful day. Thanks so so much for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, and keep having fun. We are victim of illusion. You are listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, and the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. This video is not for the saved. This video is not for the Gentiles, the Jewish, the Muslims, to whoever feels like they are a part of the kingdom of the one and only true God, the God of the Bible, Yeshua. Which goes against his statement five seconds ago that this message is not for Gentiles, Muslims, etc., because they don't, by definition, follow the God of the Bible. A Gentile is basically anyone who is not Jewish, and you'd be hard-pressed to say that Muslims follow the God of the Bible. This video is just not for the saved. This video is for all the atheists out there, the God-haters. Which one is it? Is it for atheists or is it for God-haters? Because most atheists I know aren't God-haters. They simply don't believe God exists. But what they do hate is being cowed, ashamed, and made to feel guilty for non-harmful activities or even just for thoughts in their head. What they hate is having sex creeps protected by powerful multinational organizations that look after reputations more than they do children and then spend millions more on lawyers to defend themselves against what their people did to children rather than on compensation and care for victims. What they hate is having their children preached to exclusively by ministers of one particular religion. And what they hate in particular is having hypocritical, holier-than-thou politicians dictate what people can and can't have taken out of their body, especially when they didn't get a choice in what went into their body in the first place. 
and especially when those same politicians have extramarital affairs and pay for women to get, you guessed it, abortions. And I will say this, while I do believe the God of the Bible seems to swing between unfeeling bigot and try-hard and insecure father, if that God ever appeared before me and let me ask it some questions, I would give it the benefit of the doubt and see what it has to say for itself. The warning. A warning to all the atheists of the world. Make this viral. I'm afraid by responding to this video, I am helping make him go viral. But then again, I found this video by watching Godless Engineer's response, and Godless Engineer has a much larger following than me. Like, share, subscribe, subscribe to my channel, subscribe to my channel. If you want more content, I got great things coming. I have um, merchandise coming. I have some stuff coming. Is your message to atheists so important that you need to squeeze in a merch plug? Does God approve of your merch plug? Because Jesus got quite stroppy when the temple got turned into a house of merchandise. There's a warning to all the atheists of this world. This video goes for about five, almost six minutes. And he's already spent 1 minute 40 of that saying the video is not for the saved, then imploring us to like, share and subscribe, and that this is a warning for atheists, which he says about 10 times. Bro, just get on with it. A warning. Um, how can I, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. Then f***ing say it. There's a shadow being cast on this earth. There's a shadow being cast on the earth? Like, do you mean an eclipse? Is the Death Star coming our way? Is there an alien invasion? Hmm, where's the men in black when you need them? And it's not just hate. It's not just crime. It's not just blasphemy. It's not just false teachers. It's not just false doctrine. Well, plenty of Christians hate. Are you familiar with the independent fundamentalist Baptists? Uh, crime? Depends on what crime you're talking about. Rates for some crime go up, some go down, depending on culture and circumstance. What is false teaching and false doctrine? There is bad teaching and bad, maybe even outright loopy doctrine. But the only people who say false teachers and false doctrine are those who think they know the mind of God and act as if God wrote the Bible in English back in the 1900s or something. And blasphemy? Blasphemy. The only victimless crime. It's all of that combined into one thing. And what that one, that one thing is, is a... Is a, a a, a darkness of a void that will consume you for all eternity. So you're an annihilationist? Well, I suppose that's better than being someone who believes atheists will face pure blinding justice.
Most people have ideas of hell based upon Dante. I'm sure most of you, all of you, read in high school Dante's Inferno and have ideas that hell is some sort of kind of twisted, malignant, gleeful torture of human beings. It's not. You say, well, that's good. It's worse. It is perfect justice. It is perfect, pure, blinding justice. At the last trump, when God divides the flock. The last trump? I know what he meant here, but it is funny to imagine a clan of immortal Trump family members trying to behead each other so that they can win the prize when they compete at the gathering. Maybe Donald Trump could play the role of the Kurgan, shouting, There can be only one! When God divides the flock, when God, when God divides the good sheep and the bad sheep. So, here's a question for you. How do you think God determines good sheep from bad sheep? Would God consider a good sheep someone who you think is a bad sheep? Or does God only consider a good sheep someone who you think a good sheep is? Like, is there a strict equivalence there between who God likes and who you like? Hypothetically speaking, would you be offended if God considered a good sheep someone who you know has, for example, a drug addiction but is otherwise kind and generous? Would you be offended if your favourite pastor or even a family member was considered a bad sheep in God's eyes? In my experience, and especially in the more fundamental denominations, there seems to be a strict equivalence between who you like and who you think God likes. In the Fundy Church I spent nearly a decade in, a good sheep was essentially someone who obsequiously obeyed any and all leadership and was particularly inoffensive. You know that clip where Kenneth Copeland is standing with his hype man and he yells out, STANDING IN THE OFFICE OF THE PROPHET OF GOD! That weird guy with the glasses who goes, YES, THANK YOU JESUS, and starts praying in tongues, that is what most non-denominational and Pentecostal charismatic pastors want their membership to be like. That is considered good sheep. But I will raise a serious hypothetical here. Let's say we get to the last trumpet. Will five-year-old girls get automatically included in the bad sheep category or in the good sheep category? And why? If your reasoning here is that God is merciful and wouldn't send an innocent person to hell, then why can't God simply be merciful to everyone, or at least to everyone who was honest as far as their conscience is concerned? Which then leads to the next question, by what measure is innocence gauged? Is it by conscience? Because my conscience as an atheist is pretty clear. I don't smoke, I don't do illegal drugs, I don't cheat on my wife, I rarely drink, I don't steal, I pay my taxes, and in multiple ways. Is that not good enough for God? And 
if your argument then is that the five-year-old girl hasn't had a chance to accept Jesus, then you're saying that it's possible to get to heaven without accepting Jesus. But then you're also saying that the Bible is wrong when it says we are born sinful and sin puts us at enmity with God. A darkness, a void that I experienced, that God let me experience so that I could be able to make this video. Wouldn't it just be easier if God told us directly himself? Or given the billions of people that are on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, wouldn't it be easier if God got a YouTube or TikTok or Instagram channel and tried to communicate with us that way? Why does God need to give someone clinical depression in order to warn them? Now, in this next section, he tries to describe this feeling, which I frankly will call clinical depression. God, let me feel the darkness of the most darkness and void, the most emptiness, the most empty feeling, the most love suppressed feeling. Like, when you say you have no chance and there's no way, times a million. And also, there's no one there watching you or wanting to times a million, not even God. And in your mind, what keeps resonating in your mind and in your heart is the love that you had for your family and how nobody really cares about you times 100 million. The fact that God is letting you see all these pictures of everyone in heaven rejoicing and having a great time for eternity. Um, God hasn't shown me pictures of anything. I've seen artwork. Does that count? And also letting you feel that you would never be able to be worthy of any of this greatness ever for eternity times a million. Just think about that. Really let that sink in, atheist. In all honesty and seriousness... I happen to think that this gentleman is in his own religious feedback loop, comprised of the Bible, his imagination, and his religious sensibilities. In short, the God that I would argue exists only in his head is confirming to him his thoughts and feelings as equivalent to divinely inspired theology, which is why when he feels something akin to clinical depression, he interprets that as God letting him go through because he believes God wants him to post a warning to unbelievers as though it was a message commissioned and approved by God himself, complete with merch plugs. Though it wouldn't be the first documented instance of someone being put through distress for an apparently divine cause, Ezekiel 4 relays the time when God told Ezekiel to lay on his side for over a year in order to bear the sins of Israel, which then raises its own theological questions. Doesn't the Bible also say that forgiveness of sin requires the shedding of blood? Anyway, I genuinely don't think this man here is evil. 
unless I too was suitably evil when I was a fundamentalist. I just think he is so caught up in a religious fervor that whatever he happens to religiously imagine is then seen as private revelation from God. And this religious fervor, something I'm familiar with because I was just as excitable and preachy about my religious belief, is exacerbated by two things. One, some facets of Christian life and belief rely on private revelation. You know, for example, how some Christians say they know something is from God because they have a peace in their heart. This is an instance of private revelation. Or when God put on my spirit to put a hard word on someone. Again, private revelation. We have no way of independently confirming if God indeed say or put feelings into the person claiming the thoughts or feelings. And two, scripture can be very flexibly interpreted. Clauses can be invented to make a statement have a limited scope or even to expand a scope. We have the old covenant slash new covenant thing, etc., to justify any number of beliefs and doctrines. So in reality, this man has no mechanism by which he would know if anything he is saying was factually wrong. And unfortunately, I think he will keep living in his feedback loop until it all comes crashing down, which is exactly what happened to me. Clinical depression and all. You, you, you know, you mock a God wholeheartedly that you don't believe in. You hate a God wholeheartedly times a million that you don't believe in. You're right that I mock a God I don't believe in. Because bad ideas deserve to be mocked. And laughter is good for the soul, remember? I likewise mock flat earthism, COVID conspiracy theories, unicorns, doing stupid mimes and dances to crappy music on TikTok. I mock all of them and then some. And God comes in for special attention because a sizable percentage of his followers are idiots. But I don't hate God. Firstly, I don't hate. If I do say hate, take it as a euphemism for intensely dislike. But I don't hate God because I can't hate things that don't exist. In the same vein, I likewise don't hate Bane from the Batman comics, Xenu from Scientology, or even the grumpy old troll from the Dora cartoons. I think their characters are bad, but that's exactly what a good piece of fiction writing does. Gets you to feel antagonised. But I do hate some arguments for God. Some of them are ignorant and atrocious. I hate, or should I say strongly dislike, some Christian apologists and preachers. Kent Hovind, Ray Comfort, Kenny Copeland, and many, many more because of the bad ideas they spread. And I hate, or maybe strongly dislike, the Catholic Church hierarchy for abusing countless children attempting to cover it up or sweep it under the rug, and then spending much more money on lawyers 
then compensation to try wriggle out of culpability. The Ellis defense, anyone? But do I hate things that don't exist? No. Therefore, I don't hate God. And you try to find ways to discredit him. I think God's non-existence, highlighted by his continual inaction before, during, and after times of tragedy, is enough to discredit him. At least as far as God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent being, is concerned. As was written on the walls of a concentration camp, if there is a God, he will have to beg my forgiveness. There may be a God that isn't all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-omnipresent, but then I'd ask how we can verify this being exists. But then, the intellectually dishonest arguments posed by apologists and preachers is another factor that causes God to be discredited in the eyes of atheists. For example, as soon as someone says to me, atheism means you worship yourself as your own God, or atheism means you're a murderer waiting to be unleashed, I don't pay that person any more attention. Yes, ideas need to be pulled apart and tested fairly, honestly, and reasonably. And it's, and it's nothing but hate that you have. It's I think this gentleman has been on Twitter both for too long and not long enough. There are lots of hateful Christians on Twitter. I, I can tell you, the first Christian I blocked on Twitter was an account that got upset with me because I wasn't offended by the idea of a church and a mosque being located right near each other. Or maybe this man just comes across as so brash and abrupt when he talks to atheists that atheists put up their defenses straight away in order to avoid intellectually devoid conversations, which maybe leads him to think they're bitter and hateful. But I would suggest that this man drop his religious fervor and be someone people can have an open and honest conversation with, because there are plenty of friendly and open atheists out there. It's it's a uncertainty. It's, it's a faith of uncertainty. Not at all. Atheism is simply being unconvinced that deities exist, be it because the jury is still out for you, that you don't think the question is answerable, which is something that Blaise Pascal actually wrote about in his famous wager that Christians quote, or that you believe outright that deities don't exist. But atheism is not a faith. It is simply a position with regards to the claims of deities. And we reach that position by using the same evidence and reason-based approaches by which we solve crimes, send probes to other planets, cure diseases, and find oil under the ground. I think this man is perhaps confusing atheism with naturalism. If so, it shows he doesn't understand atheism that well, and he's basing his hatred of atheism off of a straw man, because he may not realize that there are atheists who believe in the spirit world, 
and even atheists who believe in UFO cults. That's why you have a lack of love, a lack of reassurance, a lack of better in your life. Not for one second do I lack love. I have a wife and two children who I've made sacrifices for to keep in a stable environment to make sure they grow up healthy. I have numerous friends who care for me and help me, Christian, Jewish, and atheists. And I get better from a rational consideration of my actions and decisions. But I can tell this gentleman that since I became an atheist, I paid off my student debt, started my own business, wrote a book, created a podcast, and more. So I'm definitely not going backwards. And all that thought process, all of that in your heart and in your mind is all futile. Because, he, I'm sorry to tell you, I mean, I'm not sorry to tell you, you know, he is real. That's the whole thing. You're, you're hating and you're loving to hate on a God that is real, but is not real to you. It's correct in that God is not real to me. In much the same way the Tooth Fairy isn't real to me, the Easter Bunny isn't real to me, or Santa isn't real to me. But the problem this person has is that no one has been able to prove God is real. If this gentleman or anyone else could come up with a case for God's existence that doesn't rely on the assumption that God exists, I would no longer believe God doesn't exist. Because unfortunately, every argument I've encountered for God relies on one of these six fallacies. One, what if you're wrong? Two, how do you explain how everything got here? Three, look how complex life is. Four, so you believe everything came from nothing? Five, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to live life believing we just stop existing after we die, or without the hope that Jesus gives me. Or six, how can you trust your thoughts if you're just a cosmic accident? And the problem with these six lines of argumentation is that there's no attempt to define what a deity actually is, no description, no discrete properties, no comparative hypothesis. It's just an opinion that the believer really, really, really wants to be true. My mind is open to the idea of God existing, but I need something better than negative arguments like, what if you're wrong? Look at how complex life is. And I need a definition of God better than a vague, all-powerful, all-knowing being who made a personal decision to create the universe. So more people, there's, okay, let's say there's 8 billion people in the world. Did you know that at least 5.2 billion people believe that there is a higher power? then there is not. I'm not saying that all these people are right with the God they believe in, or that believe in the right God, but what I'm saying is that they believe that there is a higher power. Indeed, I did. Good for them. But the amount of people that believe something is no testament to how true that something is. Because a hundred or so years ago, there was a book called 100 Scientists Against Einstein. And guess who won that battle? 
all of you are outnumbered. I'll worry about that when the same people who make laws allowing people to carry assault weapons change the law to force children to carry the baby of their rapists and also want the constitution changed, mandate biblical citizenship training. Maybe we need to have some sort of legislation that requires Constitution Alive and biblical citizenship training in our schools, uh, and, and that's how we get things turned around. Whoops. Too late. Okay. So, atheists, I suggest all of you think a little bit harder. Want a little bit more. And reach a little bit higher. That's all I got to say. Think a little bit harder? About what? I need some data to work with. I need a hypothesis to test. I need something independent of opinion that I can cross-reference. And also so I know I'm not in a position where I'm susceptible to confirmation bias, loss aversion, or even survivorship bias. Want a little bit more and reach a little bit higher? Funnily enough, I have an ancient Chinese poem from the 10th century tattooed on my body about working harder to achieve more. So even in ancient non-Christian societies, there was already a sense that hard work helps achieve results. No God needed. But I also fail to see how wanting more leads me to God. Did not God say in the Ten Commandments that those shalt not covet? Or pride comes before a fall? Hmm. And reaching higher. The people of Babylon tried that once. Look what happened to them. <laughs>